who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Hello. Oh, what a delightful time to talk about the episode, Him. Just such a romp, isn't it, Jenny? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Before we get into all of that, I think it's, I actually think it's one of our better episodes. We had a blast. Uh, I just, I just finished <laughs> listening to it to edit it and uh, I, I had a great time. So uh, before we get there, a couple of quick announcements. First, uh, just a reminder that we have just a handful of tickets left for the Friday night live taping of Prom. That's Friday, March 11th. It is at Torrance High School, a.k.a. Sunnydale fucking high school. Um, the prom itself is sold out, completely sold out that Saturday night. But the Friday where we're going to be in the auditorium, which, you know, is just right at the base of these steps that they fought the Battle of Graduation Day on. No big deal. <laughs> uh, that there are literally about 50 tickets left to that before it is also sold out. So if you want tickets to that, go and grab them now. Um, we'll also have Evan Ross Katz there with us that night, who uh, is releasing a really awesome book about Buffy the vampire slayer right around that same time it's the day after the 25th anniversary of the show it's gonna be fun so mm. buffering the vampire slayer.com slash prom i hate when people in like february are like but oh no because then there's nothing i can do so this is me saying please i don't want you to be sad Go get them <laughs> <laughs> in buffering adjacent news it is my supreme pleasure to tell you that i jenny owen youngs have announced a uh, spring tour with friend of the pod and wonderful musician Rishi K. Shearway. You know him. You love him. He's the best. Uh, we're going to be playing some shows in March. We're going to be hitting the Northeast in March, Philly, D.C., Saugerties, Brooklyn, Boston, and Portland, Maine. And then in May, we're going to be hitting Seattle, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Uh, we're going to be playing a collaborative set. We're going to be playing all our songs together. It's going to be really special and fun and we hope that you will join us if you want to find 
tickets and info, you can head over to JennyOwenYoungs.com slash events. So fun. See you in Socrates. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about some sexual tension, Jenny? Your other favorite thing to talk about. I, yeah, yes. In honor of what I'm sure will just be a colossal tidal wave of sexual tension occurring on stage between me and Rishi, <laughs> uh, let me give you the results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards for Selfless in fourth place with a impressive 13% right? of the vote. It's Lloyd, you know, from The Office and a sketch of Warren uh, after being flayed by Willow. <laughs> 13 percent. i was really impressed with the listenership yeah Good job, everybody. That w- that's something involving warren got that much yeah. of a head of steam on it uh disappointingly in third place how dare you with 23 percent of the vote it's buffy and anya mm-hmm. uh barely edging ahead of that with just one additional percent more of the vote 24 percent of the vote second place it's Halfrek and Willow. A little lemon drop, a little lemon drop love. Didn't get yeah. didn't get to the winning, yeah. but second place, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with a, you know, a very final feeling, 40% of the vote. It's definitive. First place, Willow and Anya. You earned it. Congratulations. We wish you the best. We'll be sending not only the trophy, but also a fruit basket. And some to your honeymoon suites. Don't forget. And some tasseled lamps. Uh, thank all 536 of you for voting <laughs> in this poll. Uh, Especially those of you who I know uh, are literally only on Twitter so you can vote in the poll. Like, they, I know that you exist because <laughs> you tell me that you exist. Like, I am only here on this platform to literally vote in the Sexual Tension Awards poll. <laughs> Um, All right. A couple of emails um, before we get into the episode here from listeners because they're great. First of all, come on. We asked about spiders and if they drool. And of course, we got so many emails. I'm going to read this one from Kendra. Yes. Who wrote in to say, uh, Kendra here from Winnipeg, Canada. Longtime listener, first time writer. Heard you asking during Selfless about if spiders drool. I'm so excited that I squealed. My big sister, Sherry, just so happens to be what I and many, many others would call a spider expert. She is an arachnid enthusiast. I'm sorry, Jenny. I didn't give you space to squeal. Go ahead. She is an arachnid enthusiast, natural history journalist, as well as a biology student. She even had one of her spider discoveries featured in National Geographic years ago. What? No big deal. That's very cool. Information from the biggest spider expert in the universe here. So, Sherry said. Do spiders drool? Arachnologist. Are you going to make it? You okay? Sorry, I'm done. (laughs) Sherry said, no, not really. Sometimes when spiders get excited, in parentheses defensive, venom may drop from their fangs. Their legs operate on hydraulics, so they are pretty judicial with expending fluids. If they do not have enough hydration, their legs can't move, and they'll die, unable (gasps) to carry themselves to a water source. Oh, my God. So be a spider friend and offer your house spiders water by misting their webs with a plant mister. This is often why we find them in our bathrooms and our bathtubs. 
Can you even oh my handle God. it, Jenny? No, I can't. So spiders do not really drool, and we should help them by misting them so that they stay hydrated and their hydraulic legs can continue working. <laughs> absolutely wild uh also jenny i um wanted to just let you know that in the in the bottom part of this email kendra also said that you had absolutely made uh her daughter khaleesi's entire year because you played her song request during your twitch stream oh yeah oh yeah that's cute no big deal if i'm remembering correctly it was uh khaleesi's first concert Ah. ever Ah. so Oh, so thank you for that Very email cool. um, yes. for many reasons. And normally I just read one, but I did want to say in our last episode, I posited that this guy who was singing about mustard had stained his shirt twice. And I want to say for the record that producer Alba did tell me in her notes that I was incorrect, that it that it actually was rever- that I had it reversed, that he actually was staining his shirt and then would whatever. But sometimes I uh-huh, like uh-huh. to stir the pot. So I didn't take it Uh-oh. out and I didn't fix it so that everyone would be like, actually, actually. So I just wanted to say, I got your actually is I'm going to just c- correct it. A listener N wrote in and said, when everyone gathers at the magic box at the start of once more with feeling Buffy kicks everything off by asking if anyone burst into song the previous night, which everyone admits is definitely something that happened. So we get the order of events in reverse red shirt guy and his wife mournfully sing about the mustard, but luckily it's quickly resolved the next day at the dry cleaners with a song and dance. <laughs> Phew. So thank you for your corrections and thank you. And I just want to let you know that Alba did get it. She did. She did get it. She registered it. She told me. And I was like, Ooh, fun. Everybody will be yelling at me in their cars. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just an unwitting pawn unwitting. In I didn't tell Jenny thing. at all. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, why don't we go see what happens when a high school boy puts on a Letterman jacket? Mm-hmm. What could go wrong? Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with the gals I'd really like to see me in my Letterman jacket, Angel on Top! (laughs) Don't you think they like that, Kristen? You know, Jenny, I actually do think that they would really love that. Yes. Mm, I support mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. I, I support your endeavors for Letterman jacket wearing around. The, actually, you know, you can wear your Letterman jacket to your recording with them just next week because I think you're going to be <gasps> over there in our neck of the woods. I'll shield my oh, eyes. Um, but my God. Yes. Oh, avert. Can... Avert. <laughs> uh, I... I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about Buffy season seven, episode six. Him. Him who, you ask? We'll find out. Him who? <laughs> it just occurred to me how few spoilers we have to keep close to our chest at this point. We're we're sort of lighter than we've ever been, you know? Just <laughs> <laughs> You should stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny recapping the Buffy episode that we are discussing. 
Him was written by Drew Z. Greenberg, directed by Michael Gershman, and originally aired on November 5th, 2002. Wow. Drew's. Drew. Can we just call him Drew's? Yes. Great. Uh, This is the one, according to IMDb, where... What a weird description. Xander. (laughs) What do they say? It's just like, this is the one where Xander and Spike search for the source of a spell that has bewitched the girls into competing for the affections of the high school quarterback. It's just so weird that the whole thing hinges on Xander and Spike. Right? Like, like it is true. It's yeah. not inaccurate. It's well, just... yeah. They are the active parties in they, a way. They are. Uh, this is also the one where the writers feeling just kind of out of ideas, you know? <laughs> it's just been a long run. Yeah. Decide to retread Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. And mm-hmm. I'll assert without spoiling mm-hmm. that... Next week's episode of Angel on Top, mm-hmm. upon which I will be guesting, will be looking at an Angel episode that is sort of a retread of a mashup of a couple Buffy episodes. I won't tell you which. You'll just have to listen to the episode. Oh, my. Yeah, it is. It's it's like the, it's like they just got a little punchy. Like it's because it's, yeah. <laughs> it is a retread of like the love spell concept, but also just like the whole episode. It's, I actually enjoy it for the most part, like because just because it's so fun and like weird and oh, bizarre yeah. and the music cues. First of all, the music, mm. like there's the whole like RJ, whatever that song is, like the love song. Jenny's looking it up. But then also the music in this episode is like, uh, there's Coldplay, there's the Shins, the Breeders are at the Bronze. Like, it's like, you you can't walk three steps in this episode without hitting like a massive, massive band. The song that we hear every time somebody starts to swoon a little bit over RJ is a song by Percy Faith called Theme from a Summer Place or Theme for RJ. (laughs) Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's not much to say because you don't. Not much has happened. It's like they don't. It's so funny because like it previously exists so that you can connect the pieces to the important plot points that connect. And it's like they're really. No continuity required. None. You could just jump. As a matter of fact. BYO continuity. Yeah. When someone says, what's the first episode you should show somebody of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm going to be like him, actually. It's a great. You don't need to. (laughs) You could just jump right in. Um, But but we get a little clip of Buffy and Spike where she's like, get out of the base. Basement. Uh, you know right, where you're right. going, where you always go when you're not living in your crypt. How Xander's. is it always <laughs> Xander? Xander hates it so much. Do you think that Buffy makes Xander do this because he hates it so much? Maybe Buffy, like us, secretly has a mini ship for Xander and Spike oh, yeah. and just keeps hoping that this this will be yeah, the time. She's like, I really need Spike to get his mind off me. <laughs> so why don't I put him in close proximity to Xander? Oh, Xander. Roomies uh, again. Roomies again. Um, and then for, for no reason whatsoever, except for I think the poor editor was like, I don't know what the fuck else to put in the previously ons. We get Anya being like, I'm alone, walking off into the whatever. Well, well, I, I think we get Anya's not a vengeance demon anymore because the first thing that happens after the credits is, is Buffy uh, helps is Buffy Anya out with, with Anya. a Dehoffrin hit demon. Dehoffrin Pfeffer? <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so um, we start at Xander's, speaking of, because Spike is moving in. Roommates once again. <gasps> they were roommates. <laughs> uh, Xander and Don, reasonably enough, are like, why are Spike's problems your problems? And Xander is uh, perhaps silently and or not so silently adding on. And why then are Spike's problems that are your problems now my problems? Now my problems, right. Xander, full of nicknames of people that he disapproves of in this, he calls Spike in this scene a Nimrod. I invite you in, Nimrod. And then later he calls RJ Chowderhead. So just... Yeah, what is that? What is happening? What is that? I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, the recurring Dawn theme besides the whole RJ situation in this episode makes me very happy because she just keeps saying, so what's the soul then? So what? Why does a soul matter? And she's basically just on this podcast now. Dawn is here with us being like, so what the fuck is the point of a soul? And what yeah, does it mean? Yeah. And what, what does, does it, it mean? <laughs> Spike says that he doesn't need any um, Molly coddling, which I'm Googling just now. Oh, so prepared as a podcast host. To Molly coddle is to treat someone in an indulgent or overproductive way. So coddling. Is is coddling perhaps coddling is the, the same thing as Molly coddling form of Molly coddling when they were like too many syllables. Buffy's like it's not coddling. Now go to your closet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, the the I guess the point of the scene is just to establish that Spike is no longer in the basement. Xander's not thrilled about it. Don is wondering why Buffy is doing this. Xander's wondering why Buffy is doing this. Spike is kind of even wondering why Buffy is doing this. Mm-hmm. Is Buffy mm-hmm. wondering? Maybe a little. And um, then we go to the football field. Take it to the bleachers. <laughs> uh, they're continuing this conversation, uh, Don and Buffy, about like Spike and his whole deal and Buffy's deal with him. Buffy's telling Dawn that she doesn't love Spike, but she feels for him. And Buffy also tells Dawn that Spike knows how wrong what he did was. He knew. Like, he knew even Mm -hmm. then how wrong what he did was. Mm -hmm. So he went to Mm -hmm. get a soul. Mm -hmm. And and Dawn very astutely observes... So like, oh, a soul makes you a better person. Well, Xander had a soul when he stood Anya up at the altar, right. for example. Right. Not exactly apples to apples, but a point perhaps worth considering. Right. And also like, you know, um, most people who uh, commit horrible acts have souls insofar as we know. Like a soul does not mean that you are then not going to commit as a matter of fact it's kind of summed up later although it's it's a little backwards because Buffy says in this scene that Spike knew what he did was wrong even before he had a soul but later at the bronze Xander is like you'd think a soul would make you pick up your wet towels off of the bathroom floor and (laughs) Willow's like well no but it probably makes him feel bad about not picking up his towels (laughs) from the floor Anyway, this is sort of like a Dawn doesn't know what love is, but one day she'll learn. And Jenny, <laughs> that day happens to be today because today! RJ, RJ is do, is cl- a clad. This is how I actually flirt with people all the time. I just pick up my water bottle and like mm. squirt it into my mouth and then like all over my face. It really is very effective. Just makes all the girls swoon. <laughs> this boy is... 
as I understand it, at football practice. Mm-hmm. And um, at football practice, as I understand it, you know, you run, you throw the ball, mm-hmm. maybe you punt if you're on special teams, mm-hmm. you tackle, <laughs> you generally work up a sweat, even if you're the quarterback who... Quarterback I don't is know just if it's, very if it's exactly appropriate to say that like the quarterback is not the least physical position, but it is like probably the one where you're getting like the shit beat out of you the least. Of course. That's the whole that the right. point the like the point of the rest of the team is to make sure nobody touches right. the quarterback. Yes. But but so we would think that RJ would be working up a sweat and it does follow that he would then spray water over his face after he got all <laughs> hot at practice, but he's Hot enough to be spraying water in his face, but cold enough to have put on his Letterman jacket in the middle of practice? Question mark. Metaphysics. Uh, I just yeah, and we get this is the first time we get the theme of RJ. Boo doo doo doo, and then Dawn <laughs> falls off of the bleachers. Classic Dawn. There she goes. Uh, I won't let us leave this scene without at least noting the fact that Buffy is rocking tiny sunglasses once again. Uh, we haven't seen her <laughs> rock tiny sunglasses in a long time. She's also now wearing tiny sunglasses while drinking a can of Seven Up with a straw, which just felt. Huh. Beautifully 2002 to me. Just just a gorgeous little snapshot of 2002. And then we go to the credits. A can with a straw. Yeah, I never drank. Um, right. I've never, ever drank canned soda out of a straw. It's not for me personally. Have you? Yeah. You like, you like canned, canned soda out of a straw? No straw. Thank you. There's something about uh, soda or beer coursing over a metal surface yeah. that is part of the taste experience, experience to me. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It also does something weird to the bubbles when you use a straw mm. in carbonated beverages. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Too much, too much, too fast. Yeah. I'm so glad that we agree. <laughs> a podcast united. <laughs> yeah, on it's such an important issue. <laughs> uh, credits and then <laughs> oh, over at Anya's, poor Anya, can't catch a break. Uh, De Hoffren has decided he shall not suffer at Anyanka to live after all and is sending hit demons uh, after her. Thankfully, Buffy just happens to be swinging by Do we ever find out if she's swinging by because they need her help? That's why? Is that like they're going to ask her back into the fold? Why is she there? I think Buffy's there because as she states uh, after the fight is over, Something bad is happening, and she doesn't want her friends uh, alone out there. This is an FBYID house call. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeesh. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, and yes, maybe, it maybe she also has a note from Willow that Willow's written on a piece of loose leaf paper that's like, Dear Anya, will you date me? Circle yes or no. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Love, Willow. Uh-huh. Anya is up to her hilarious <laughs> Anya tricks. She's like, I could be saying to the demon, maybe you got the wrong Anyanka. Did you ever think of that? It's, it's possible that somebody else pissed off this Dehoffrin Pfeffer uh-huh, <laughs> pretending uh-huh. that she doesn't remember his name. Uh-huh. Buffy kills the demon. Anya's like, thank you for the generous life saving. No, please go away. I don't need uh-huh. help. Well, I do need help, but I don't want help. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Buffy pleads her case and Anya comes around in a very Anya way and says well I guess you could use my help Mm -hmm. Willow's not very good with practical strategizing except when she's evil 
And Dawn is not really good for anything. I actually, like, we don't get to really spend a ton of time talking about the relationship between Anya and Dawn, but it is hilarious. (laughs) It is. I mean, there is no real relationship except for, like, the time when Dawn was tiny, really tiny, and they were, like, playing board games together. But then it's mostly just been Anya being so over Dawn. Like, for for as long as I can remember, Anya's just been, like, so fucking over it. Yeah, yeah. What practical use does this child have? Because <laughs> she also, wants to trade you in know, this child the shoplifting. for cash. <laughs> she, I'm sure she's still uh, burnt over the shoplifting. Oh, that's true. So we go to high school, and Dawn's pacing. She's trying to figure oh out. She's gosh. putting a lot of thought into how she's going to really just knock this flirt out of the park. Uh, and oh my word we meet our four high school students uh in this scene we've got cheryl played by ricky lindholm uh who you probably know from a million billion things uh we have Lori o'donnell and i guess we already met rj out on the football fields and they're standing okay, so you didn't uh you didn't recognize Lori. she no, didn't seem familiar to you she looked familiar to me and then in my mind i was like she's the jackie like I like I made her the Jackie of yellow jackets in my mind, but I didn't recognize her. What she? What would I recognize Lori from? Well, uh, the place I think that maybe most people would know her from is as the host Clementine on Westworld. Oh my God! Yes, of course, of course. It all just clicked right into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a very. Oh, I loved her on Westworld. Yeah, Clementine she's so great on Westworld. Yes, she does have like a a very particular singular face. face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does. Um, what she's do you think cool most looking. people know Ricky from? Because I, I feel like um, well, there's Garfunkel and Oates. Of course, there's another period. Oh, she's in Knives Out. Knives Out. Yes, I knew she was just in something um, very on a very large scale. Knives Out. Yeah. Oh, she was so good in Knives Out. Then what a great movie. <laughs> so anyway, Dawn sees this little gaggle of um, high schoolers, and she's like, "Let me just walk. Like, what child will walk over? Like, wait until RJ's alone. I mean, even if you're not good at flirting, yeah. that's fine. Many of us are not. But, like, d- to to attempt this maneuver that she's doing while all four of them are there is just, it makes me want to crawl under my desk and hide Yeah, I, this, is, this is the most horrific oh. scene in any episode up to this point. So oh hard God. to watch. It's really hard to watch. Um... I just want to also, I don't know if you, do you, so Cheryl, Ricky, Ricky's character, very cute braids um, on Cheryl. And she's saying, I, I think I can still cheer. She's, she's like on crutches. So she's, she's like, I, I can still do it, guys. I can still cheer. And Lori's like, no, you can't. We're going to replace you. We're going to have tryouts, whatever. Do you know what happened to Cheryl? Did you, did you write down the line? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kristen, Cheryl is injured because, of course, a vending machine fell on her. How do we think this happened? Do you think uh, she did the thing where she put in her 75 cents and she mm-hmm. pressed A4 uh-huh. for uh, pizza flavored combos? Mm-hmm. And then the little spring dial guy was like <laughs> rotated just enough that it didn't quite fall. And then she banged upon 
the vending machine and rocked it uh-huh. away from the wall to see if she could get her combos to fall out and then accidentally brought down the vending machine upon herself uh maybe or alternate theory there are there's a new class of lesbians in town you know and they held hands and oh wow i forgot about the Kablam. the ultimate purpose of vending machines in sunnydale <laughs> I think Cheryl may have just gotten in the way of um, the vending machine during a lesbian tryst in in the other room. Maybe Cheryl and Lori were sitting together face to face, uh, fingers entwined, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Your first time. It can be, it can be, you know, you don't always know what to expect. So maybe they just went in the wrong direction and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my theory, personally. Or I guess the theory we just built live in real time together. But I had a feeling we would wind up there. I had a feeling we would end at the proper, <laughs> proper destination. Uh, just when it seems all is lost, Dawn's grasping little fingers find a thread. And uh, they close around it so tightly. She's got something to say. She has something to add to the conversation. Kristen, what is it? The quarterback is the most important member of the team. He is like the rudder that guides the ship. Ah, ah, Dawn. Yes. Where do you think Dawn learned this? Do you think this is what she was doing last night? She was Googling what is a quarterback? How do you kiss mm. a quarterback? What do quarterbacks like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. They all. Yeah, this is. It's so awkward. They're all being horrible to Dawn, but also Dawn is just being a nightmare. It's just bad. It feels awkward. And then they all leave. And Dawn is just yelling after them. We'll talk later, guys. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> they go really oh, hard on, on how much of a dork Dawn is. Like, like maybe a little too hard. Like, I, I feel like yeah. Dawn might do a little bit of a better job than than this. But. She's yeah, she's dorking out pretty hard. Uh, down she goes into the summer's basement. Ooh. Dig, dig, digging. I was immediately like, am I watching the movie Garden State? And then looked up Garden State to confirm. Like, this was part of the the Garden State soundtrack, wasn't it? And it was. But that wasn't until 2004. But The Shins, that's how I met The Shins, was uh, in the movie Garden State. Mm. But this song mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Like, there's just the songs in this episode. It's like you're watching a movie. You know, like, there's just such large-scale bands. Coldplay is going to be good. Anyway. She's down there. She finds Buffy's old cheer uniform. Yes, she wears it to try out. She's the only one wearing a vintage vintage yeah cheerleading outfit to tryouts. And I know we just heard Dawn embarrass herself in the hallway, but we're gonna listen together to Dawn's. Yeah, if you thought she was embarrassing before. Let's buckle up. Let's uh let's hear her tryout cheer. Razorbacks, Razorbacks, we're gonna play. We've got a secret weapon and his name is RJ. So hear us cheer, hear us yell, listen what we say. Razorbacks, Razorbacks, go! RJ! <laughs> yeah, this ill-fated cartwheel. Man, she should have stuck with how funky is your chicken, in my personal opinion. Oh my god! <laughs> also, no. <laughs> Lori, Lori, for some reason is like not even that mean, and is just like that was very spirited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut to the Summers house. 
we've all been the teen on the other side of this Aww. door. Yeah. Shrieking and wailing. Don't you feel like Buffy, especially Buffy, um, could do a better job with this before she's in love with RJ? Like, you know, once she's fallen for RJ, then all bets are off the table. But like in this period of time, I'm just like, dude, like, you know, not to tell a person who is young and in love that they don't know what they're feeling like that's not yeah. gonna ever be effective and also the first thing she says to Don Don's like I just really feel like he's never gonna notice me and Buffy's like well from what you said I actually um it's <laughs> like you made look she's trying to find the positive in a difficult situation and I celebrate that I don't know I don't know. Xander, don't tease I mean, in a she snit. hasn't had to do this before. She doesn't have practice dealing with this side of Dawn. That's true. I guess it is her sister, and that changes the dynamic overall. That's mm-hmm. fair. I'll give mm-hmm. her some some wiggle room because Dawn is her little sister, her little mystical ball sister. So... <laughs> Xander says, don't teens in a snit love pizza? Who is writing Xander's dialogue in this episode? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think it's the guy from that Halloween episode who was like, my toys. I actually, I was texting texting with Joanna. Teens in a snit. I was texting with Joanna Robinson last night about the fact that we were recording him. And she was like, is him the Halloween one with the Letterman jacket? And I was like, no, no, no. The Halloween one with the Letterman jacket (laughs) is the one where the old man says, my toys. (laughs) But like, easily confused. It's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So I'm just glad that this old man keeps coming up just in casual conversation. Yeah. Well, can't you hear that guy being like, you chowder head. Come into my kitchen. I'm making cookies. Ooh. So anyway. Terrible news. <laughs> R.I.P. Don has shredded Buffy's cheerleading uniform into ribbons. <laughs> Seems like a quite a choice to make um, with something that didn't even belong to you at the outset. She's in pain, Kristen. She's in pain. Xander uses this opportunity. They've they've migrated to Dawn's room after discovering the shredded cheerleading outfit. And uh, Dawn's like, I think Dawn says, like, you didn't need it anyway. Or Buffy, somebody says that Buffy didn't need it. Dawn says, I'll buy you a new one. And Buffy says, that's not the point. I don't want a new cheerleading uniform. And Xander's like, oh, I know what to do here. I know. I know. Wait, hold on. Let me just look up the character Xander in the dictionary. What would, yeah. what would WWXD? Like, Let me just really Xander out here what would for Xander a sec. Do? And he's like, oh, maybe you should think, well, not the moment for a fucking joke. Let about- not be hasty. Oh. Good. Thanks, uh, buddy. Sir? Thanks for letting us feel at home. Letting us know where we are. Uh-huh. Who's here. Yeah. Um, Xander unwittingly kind of answers the entire riddle of the episode uh, by saying, it's the jacket. It's the Letterman jacket. It always makes the girls go wild. Yeah, and he observes that you couldn't pin any old letter to your jacket and get play. You couldn't get play by... (laughs) Help! (laughs) What, get play? Get play, yeah. Dawn, meanwhile, is like, it isn't a crush. It's love. This is the whole you're telling me I don't feel what I feel thing. Buffy's Uh being Uh really uh too condescending. Dawn says, you have no idea what real love is. And 
you know, I think that everyone in this room realizes that Dawn is probably about three seconds away from screaming, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> no, I was wondering if it was going to happen. And it didn't. Briefly. She also says, maybe I don't want advice from the dysfunction queen. Shots fired. Yeah. Dawn. Dawn's in a fighting mood. She's in love. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of being in a fighting mood for love, Oof. turns out O'Donnell, who I do not trust, uh, just heard from coach that he's going to be starting yeah. at QB in their next game. Yeah. And I thought here, too bad for RJ that coach isn't a lady because things would be going way better for him. That's true. But he doesn't need coach to be a lady because he has Dawn around to shove O'Donnell down the stairs for him. Really, um, like a very Melrose Place moment just situated <laughs> right in the middle of this episode of Buffy. <laughs> yeah, also, that is only a half flight, not to like nitpick or whatever, but I just don't know. Yeah, he probably I was just fine. don't know if that would have been a sure thing. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? I agree. We're in Principal Wood's office with Buffy and Dawn, and they're like, I guess O'Donnell has lied several times before, so it's an easy one for Dawn to squeak by. And she does, mm -hmm. uh, you got to mm -hmm. give her credit that she's like, I mean, he was probably just embarrassed. It's really embarrassing. Dawn knows firsthand. She's like, it's pretty embarrassing. She's like, it's definitely, I can tell you from clumsy. experience, it's embarrassing <laughs> to be clumsy. Uh, and it seems like all's going to go off without a hitch. But then she says, at least you've still got RJ to take over. And Buffy's spidey sense is going nuts. Yeah, too bad that spidey sense bangs into a fucking wall and does a U-turn uh, just moments later. Yeah. Before it does, RJ and Dawn are in the hallway really scheming. Oh, it was no big deal. He's like, it was. She's like, it's out of nowhere. And he was like, it's funny how those things can happen sometime. Out yeah, of just happen. Just accidents. Oops. Oops. <laughs> it's interesting. I guess when you're in high school, the principal is like a can be a scary figure. Um, I perhaps am distracted by Principal Wood being hot. Far too distracted with his hotness to be intimidated. Principal Wood does uh, not by need his to wear a Letterman jacket. Bastinata, exactly. <laughs> um, but RJ is very impressed that Don just, you know, faced him. Um, she also says, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. This is a Monty Python quote. Oh. Picturing Don watching Monty, Monty Python? Python picturing Dawn being like we are the knights who say neat <laughs> I could see uh, it actually I'm now that you it. said that quote yeah I could yeah that that, that fits yeah so yeah um RJ has asked Dawn out on a date and what a date indeed I would love to fucking see the breeders play at the bronze myself there they are in all their glory the Breeders are playing at the bronze, The Breeders okay? are fucking playing at the bronze. Kim Kim and Kelly Deal are just standing up on that fucking stage, singing their little twins. Bean twins. Bean twins. Twinning out. We didn't even know who Tegan and Sarah were. They weren't even around. These were the twins. I okay. know. Okay. That's not true. Probably we did know. Did we know who Tegan and Sarah were? I didn't know who Tegan and Sarah were in 2002, but maybe somebody did. Were they around? Okay. I Googled to see if Tegan and Sarah were Tegan and Sarah or Sarah and Tegan in 2002. Um, I 
am so sorry to everybody that you are being led by two queer women who didn't know the answer. But in 2002, Tegan and Sarah released their third album, If It Was You. Um, I don't know. You know, the first, oh the first couple may have. I don't know if the, if the first two were under Tegan and Sarah. But um, the first question that came up when I Googled that <laughs> You know, where it's like Google's like, people also ask. Uh, and the first thing is, mm. are Tegan and Sarah straight? Guys. <laughs> Guys, get it together. Uh, anyway, so we had a lot of twins uh, in the year 2002. We had Kim, Kelly, Tegan, and Sarah all singing music for us. What a, what a beautiful <laughs> time. What a beloved time. Did you know? Probably not. Um, as you know, I recently partook in the holiday variety show of Josh Cantor, the Red Sox organist. And one of the other special musical guests was Tanya Donnelly, uh, with whom I had played a show many, many moons ago because we were both on an indie lullabies compilation. Yes, I was at that show. played the release show. That was at Joe's Pub, right? It was, it was. And she's so frigging nice. Uh, And when they were introducing her, I didn't realize this, but she was not only a founding member of Belly, not only... A uh, member of Throwing Muses, but also a founding member of the Breeders. Yeah, I didn't know that until I looked up the Breeders to learn a little more. And there I saw Tanya and was like, holy shit. What hasn't she done? She's everywhere. She's everywhere. She's freaking everywhere. Get out of the way. Yeah. So um, it's time to dance at the bronze uh, wearing as little clothing as possible. <gasps> you know who would be so proud? Faith fucking Lahane. Faith. Faith would be like, um, yeah, bitch, get it. <laughs> yeah, she'd have like some little nickname oh, for Dawn. I can't remember. We haven't seen them together. No, because the last time Faith was here was in season four. Right. And uh, but I, what, what do you think? Um, What do you think Faith would call? I imagined Dawn? her honestly, like it's not even like a, a fully faithy kind of a nickname, but I just imagine her calling her pipsqueak. Like I just can see it. I just can like hear it in my in my mind yeah there's like there's like one of those yep. and then there's also like this is not it but conceptually you think of a cigarette and then think of just the filter okay not that she would call dawn filter but i just feel like she would take something badass right and then take one small component of it uh-huh. a little tiny Ooh. component and call dawn that okay but i don't know what it is it's very poetic jenny i like it well thank you this is where this is where everyone at home gets to play so yes everyone at home gets to play tweet at buffering cast please, on twitter please t- tell us what you think faith would call dawn yep. thank you very much yep uh i cannot wait to get all of those tweets uh i will compile them <laughs> and print them out frame them and put them on my wall <laughs> most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals but life gets overwhelming There are errands to run, vampires to slay, extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game-changer. 
My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. I have to admit I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering50 at factormeals.com slash buffering50 to get 50% off. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. So, um... A bummer. Faith isn't here. Double bummer Xander Ah. is. So. Ah. (laughs) They spy the Scoobies. Willow, Xander, and Buffy are sitting at a table at the bronze and they see RJ on the dance floor and they're like, look, it's RJ. And a scantily clad young woman. Well, not even scantily clad, but just like one shoulder out. One shoulder out, one one um, hip bone out. out, kind of an asymmetrical revealio, if you will. It's uh, called this shirt is actually the name of this shirt is called the Hokey Pokey. You just put <laughs> you put your shoulder in, you put your hip bone uh-huh. in, and you shake it all about. Okay, yeah, yes, correct. And Willow observes, check out the fan club, referring to this girl who's dancing up on RJ. Uh, Xander says, no. daddy life. <laughs> under under the best of circumstances, I don't want to hear this. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. I have a literal, like, I. so I did my job how I'm supposed to do my job this week. So I, like, hand wrote my notes and then I typed them that's always I do my best job podcasting when that's my process because my brain needs a little like reminder of what I wrote down and I not only put a frowny face in my handwritten notes but I typed out the frowny like I was committed to this Mm -hmm. getting a full Mm -hmm. frowny face no matter where it was written is my point yeah 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 Buffy oh no for foreshadowingly says Good thing Dawn isn't here to see what's going on before immediately realizing, oh, no, it's Dawn. Oh, no. Xander is like being very dramatic, (laughs) gagging and whatever. Willow (laughs) chimes in with a right there with you, buddy. Uh, Everybody was ogling Dawn and everybody is very upset about it. Dawn is... It walks over I guess like she it's not even like Buffy doesn't go over and like drag her off the dance floor she like comes over and Buffy's you know like yo we're fucking here and then Buffy makes a comment that references sailors to Dawn who doesn't yeah. get it at all because who would she's literally like what are you gonna do take that outfit down to the docks later what is happening and wait for the fleet to come in yeah it's interesting because Buffy says a lot of, mm, I think what we would generally categorize as like very slut shamey stuff in yeah. the scene. She literally says, but slut she's bag also, Buffy. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but she's also like functioning as d- not just Dawn's sister, but Dawn's parent and guardian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I don't know, it's at this like weird uh, intersection where Dawn is a minor and is like growing up around very adult stuff like demons and death Mm -hmm. but hasn't really had like a love life right you know uh and as we saw earlier with the outside the bathroom scene but buffy just doesn't have a nuanced approach to this in any way yeah and i think too i mean it is the year 2002 and i don't think like Mm. i think that if it were 2022 like that like Buffy would be able to like have the education, the cultural education from like media that was surrounding her at the time to empower Dawn a bit more. But in the year 2002, that was not as um, present for many of us. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Buffy says, Anna Nicole Smith thinks you look tacky. And I was like, ooh, I wonder if this was when the Anna Nicole Smith show was on. And Jenny, it was. It released on August 4th, 2002. I didn't know that Anna Nicole Smith had a show. Oh, my God. I watched it in real time. Uh, It was what put Anna Nicole Smith on the map for me. Um, And I was reading a little bit of the wiki about it. It was a reality show where they, like, created circumstances but didn't script you know, Anna Nicole and like everyone else. But I'm just going to if you don't if you're not familiar with the Anna Nicole Smith show, I'm going to read what the Wikipedia says it is because I feel like it's a I'll just go read it to you. The Anna Nicole Smith show follows the exploits of Anna Nicole Smith and her entourage. Much of the focus of the series was on the fact that Smith had gained weight after falling out of the public eye, no longer received regular modeling or acting work, and at the time of the series debut, was in a precarious financial state after lavish spending sprees and the battle against her stepson for her deceased husband's fortune. Story arcs included Smith's alleged period of unwilling celibacy, her struggle to cure her miniature poodle's habit of attempting intercourse with inanimate objects, her love-hate relationship with her toothless redneck cousin, and her fashion feud with interior decorator Bobby Trendy. This is what I was watching. I was just, I loved Anna Nicole Smith. Um, uh, R.I.P. Anna Nicole Smith, who... um, Yeah, Anna Nicole Smith died in 2007 um, of a drug overdose, and her stepson also died a few years later um, of a different drug overdose, but also of a drug overdose. And I just, I I think it's, I, I know that my brain knew that the, like, the premise was that this person was, like, had been a model and an actor, and now she had a reality show, but I don't think I, like, ever really internalized the fact that it was, like, well, she got too, she got too fat to be a model anymore, like, whatever. Hmm. Anna Nicole Smith sort of occupies a similar space in my brain as, um, Jenny McCarthy did back mm-hmm. in the MTV days, just, like, a really brash, beautiful blonde woman like and and mm-hmm. I loved Jenny McCarthy when she was in her singled out days and I loved Anna Nicole Smith so I I just delighted in the show I can't um it's it's what Joanna and I would probably refer to as a dangerous banger where you're like I know I loved this thing but uh it might not hold up <laughs> we didn't create the title that actually comes from the succession creator and Kieran Culkin but anyway 
All that to say, Anna Nicole Smith, we all know who she is in 2002. If you didn't know by 2002, then you can follow the Kristen Russo train. Uh, and she had just debuted her Anna Nicole Smith show. Woo. I didn't, I did not anticipate getting so much Anna Nicole info, but I'm happy. You're welcome. You're very, very welcome. Here's something interesting that I like. Don says, I like the way RJ makes me feel. And if you think that makes me a slut or whatever, I don't care. Ah, uh, a new generation. How nice. <laughs> Philosopher Don back at it. <laughs> Challenging norms. <laughs> Saying, slut shame me not. Yeah. And Buffy's really, like, really goes low in this, like, last little argument bit where Don's like, it's my life and I'm going to do what I want. What are you, mom, now? And Buffy says, no, and I'm glad she can't see you like this. What the fuck, Buffy? Dude. Buffy's like, no more dance floor for you. You're fucking out of here. I was actually absolutely shocked that <laughs> Don listened. Like, I just thought that Don was going to be like, you can literally go fuck yourself and go back to the dance floor with RJ. But she leaves. I can't believe she leaves without saying anything to RJ. I know. But it gives us a Shocking. great moment with Lori out in the alley. Oh, my God. And just in case you Lori. thought the slut shaming was done, Lori's first line is, I know what you're doing, slut. <laughs> okay, okay, Lori. Oh, my God. And they fight and they fight and Buffy breaks it up. Oh, my and God. And is like, ah! Because I love Lori. You know, what's really funny is last week, if you're an Angel on Top listener, you'll know that last week's episode of Angel on Top, they just, like, have a whole thing with a Lori there that's also, like, a one-and-done Lori. It's, like, just a really big moment for the Loris of the Buffyverse. Um, but this Lori, I'm going to give her a sound clip because I love the way she delivers this line. So please let us listen to Lori. I'll never let you have him, bitch. She kicks Buffy in the shin. Shin kicking was my primary mode of defense uh, in elementary school. Really? Yes. Wow, you kicked people in the shins? As a method of defense. And also, if a boy was cute. You kicked him in the shins? Yeah. Wow. I, I can't believe that I never knew this about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of my shin kicking, my dark shin kicking Did it work? Past. Did you ever date a boy whose shins you kicked? No. <laughs> what are you kidding? I kicked them in the shins. They were like, leave me alone, please. Do you think that the earlier music cue of the shins was foreshadowing for this? Wow. I just realized we were saying the shins so many times. And I was like, yeah, wait, yeah, just yes. A, gosh, darn. Wow, minute. this is a, a music cue of yellow jackets in proportions. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny, if you didn't, uh, you know, we haven't really talked about Yellow Jackets in proper pod. So if you don't know, Jenny and I just completed what was probably the most intense television viewing experience. I don't even, I of my life, alongside you, I've never seen you go deeper uh, in a television show spiral than you did for Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I was going nuts. Nuts. I mean, going just nuts. Absolutely. It was really delightful. So um, I, my brain is still set to that, which is how I got to that shins on shins. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. yarn is still on my wall. I haven't taken it all down yet. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, no. We've delayed. We've backpedaled all we could to stay away from the next scene, but we're here. Oh, no. Oh, no. I literally, I wrote what could almost be considered a poem because it's four, four stanzas that are like divided with oh, no's. 
just like building own nose in this scene, but we haven't gotten there yet. Let's let's set up the scene. We're in Principal RJ's leaving Principal Woods' office and is walking by uh, Counselor Summers's cubicle, and um, you know Buffy's like. Sit down. You haven't gotten out of here yet, sir. She refers to him as Mr. Wizard. So weird. So weird. Uh, And then uh, she's basically like about to admonish RJ for last night at the bronze. And RJ says, you saw how hot she looked. Okay. Ah, Not not an acceptable argument in the court of her sister, sir. (laughs) Agree. And as he's saying this, he's putting on the jacket. Now, a question, a larger question that I have is, does RJ have any idea what this jacket does? No, right? Like, they don't know what the jacket does? Because the brother would have, Lance, who we haven't met yet, but, like, Lance would have never given up the jacket if he knew that the jacket was the key to his success, right? He would have not given it to fucking... Just been wearing that to, like, board meetings for the rest of his life? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Go Razorbacks. (laughs) So this is where my poem begins. Um, yes, a poem. It's not. It's not an erotic novel. It's actually an anti-erotic novel. Um, but I'm just going to read what I what I wrote, and, and then we can discuss. I wrote, "Oh no, must be under a lot of pressure. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. Oh no, you run a lot. They work you pretty hard. Oh no." I'm basically the same age as you. I'm just like you, but with the sexual experience and all. Oh, no. Ah! Magic RJ song plays again. (laughs) Yeah, thank God they get interrupted in the middle of this. Um, uh, Also, right before Buffy starts grilling him, there's a lot of conversation about Wood riding RJ, which recurs later in the episode Mm. there's a lot of talk about wood riding rj and i just yeah that's a lot to handle okay something positive i would like to say about this scene is that sarah michelle geller is fucking incredible oh yeah she's so good she is just she's like putting on her cruel intentions cap for this scene Right? Like, this is some, like, Cruel Intention Sarah delivery of these lines, especially they work you pretty hard. That's just, like, to me, was, like, you could take that right out of Cruel Intentions. Uh. Yeah. Also, I just realized I'm basically the same age as you. Like, I'm not even older, actually. It's so good. And she's just, like, (laughs) to deliver lines like this in a way where they can read as both seducing the character and also hilarious to the viewer is a very special skill. Like you're doing two things at one time and she does it fucking perfectly. So there's me giving a positive spin to this scene that otherwise makes me kind of feel like Xander in the bronze earlier. I'm just like, stop it. Smashing the unsubscribe button. Yeah, yeah. Of this scene. Oh, God. Oh, no. Back at the Summer's house, subterfuge is afoot. <laughs> Dawn, Dawn's like, ambush. <laughs> she walks in the door. Buffy. Buffy's like, oh. I talked to RJ. All you need to do is just like back off and let him come to you. Ah! Wow. 
bitch. We're back at Melrose Place. <laughs> I know. I think he likes you, but he said you come on a little strong. Maybe you should just lay back a little. Fucking fast forward to the next day at school where Buffy has literally put on a like fucking porno school teacher outfit. She's wearing like a silk black ruched shirt and a like yeah gray checkered skirt well, with like a couple well, of it has like a buckles. like a adult sexy porn schoolgirl thing right. to it right right like a hundred percent it look, just look it looks like the outfit you would like if you're in my imagine when She's i like, imagine i'm just like you but with sexual experience right, that's right. the outfit yeah, I mean, this is just like what I imagine. Like, if you're uh, if you're a, a straight woman and your husband is like, I would love to role play. Can you be a sexy schoolgirl? This is the outfit you're gonna put on. Like, this is what oh you God. this is what you're gonna put together. In my imagining of what it's like to be a straight person with a husband who would say that. Right. Right. Um. <laughs> so, Buffy's like. The principal needs to see you or whatever the fuck she says. Uh, yeah, we need to see RJ Brooks down at the guidance office, if you know what I mean. Yeah, she's fully, oh. like Dawn's research was like Googling what a quarterback is. And Buffy's research was just like watching porn all night long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she takes him into a classroom and he's like, there's nobody here. And Buffy says, one of you, one of me. You were the one in math class. Tell me what that adds up wow. to. Wow. What the sound cue should have been was the Spice Girls when two become one. Come a little bit closer, baby. Get it on, get it on. Cause tonight is the night when two become one. But it is not. It is one inside. Coldplay? What is happening a, on this television not a very, show? I just want to say that this Coldplay song is not a sexy cue no, to me. No, I agree. Uh, it's a mournful, I guess it's like Dawn's thing. I don't know. I just feel like they could have oh, found something right. that was a little more. Yeah, the Spice Girls when two become one. Okay. <laughs> uh, Buffy just says I've it. always Somebody been. Somebody give me the scene with fucking two become one over the top of it. Please. We'll see if it fits. <laughs> Buffy says, I've always been fascinated by football. Caring about football for the very first time ever in all of her oh, life. Oh, God. You're like a teacher. Does it bother you? Like porn. <laughs> We've just watched porn all night long. I need to put Listerine into my eyes after I watch this scene. Literally. My, my, one of my favorite parts about hosting a podcast with Jenny is that like, Anything happens and she's yelling about 1080 PhD, but like an actual porn is happening and she's pouring Listerine in her eyes. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's the co-host I appreciate. So yes. Donna's walking down. Also, he's talking again about Wood riding him. Okay. I'm sorry. It's Jenny, just a recurring theme that I Jenny, feel like needs to be addressed. Notes, copious notes. Uh, I, I missed all of that somehow. Uh <laughs> So Dawn's walking down the hallway and... Oh, no. 
You know, Jenny, you've pointed out a few times that the new Sunnydale High School is pretty lax. There have just been adult women walking about, meandering in the hallways. Now we have like a student and a counselor just fully grinding each other on a desk, nothing covering the window. Dawn looks through the window in the door and is like, what the fuck? She sees them. She runs and sits outside. Xander cue Xander's construction boots as his like <laughs> like to answer your like Xander's here yes he's a construction worker remember it's all in that one shot of his construction yeah. boots for you yes. um look at his hard hat yeah is this about the guy in the jacket he says to Don who says I don't want to hear his name <laughs> Xander's uh, like I said the guy in the jacket she's like that's what I call him in my head sometimes <gasps> Uh, and then she says she doesn't ever want to see Buffy again so Xander goes on the hunt and uh, walks in on Buffy astride RJ is that what a stride Uh, means straddling let's have a look shall we please astride with a leg on each side of okay I always imagined it to be next to, like it just, to my brain, it sounds like you're next to something, you're astride of something. So I'm just so happy Mm. to know that that is not what that means. You know, that could really get me into quite a pickle, uh, you know, down the line. So Uh happy to know it. Yeah, they're just sort of like, I don't know. What are they doing? They're just humping each other on the desk. They have all their clothes on. <laughs> I am on. sorry to say, but I believe that's I what's think going on. Yes, humping. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, my note, my first note is, "Dear God, heaven help us." With each first letter capitalized, because I have a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. RJ's like, you should try knocking, man. Um, sir, you're uh, in a, you're okay, <laughs> sir. This is where Xander calls RJ Chowderhead, and uh-huh. um, you know they break this up. Thank God, because it could have gone further, and it didn't. We just we stopped it humping. We, we draw the line at humping. Okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> On this podcast, we well, we'd like to draw the line a little earlier, to be frank. But back at the Summers house, Buffy helpfully tells Don, "Your crying isn't going to make his love for me go away." They're all privy at this point. They get back to the Summer's house and Anya, Willow, and Xander are all there. And they're like, we've seen this before. We know what it is. There's a fucking love spell. Anya's like, soon neither of you will be in love. And Buffy and Dawn are like, like glaring at Anya. Buffy's like, he's not a boy. And Dawn's like, what do you know about our love? Yeah. Amazing comic acting from um, Sarah and Michelle, I think. Oh, Buffy referring to RJ as her lover. (laughs) Help! (laughs) Uh, Xander has a little flashback to happier times when he was the object of the uh, fervor of women under a love spell. I spent that entire time you were talking trying to think about what the the line was from the L word, which is I'm I'm Dawn and this is my lover, Cindy. It's my lover, Cindy, right? Yeah, Dawn Denbo and her lovers and her lover, Cindy. So so it would actually really work quite well for Dawn. I'm Dawn and this is my lover, RJ. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sorry. I just like I was paying no attention to what you were saying. I was just falling down an L word hole. Okay. Good, so, good. So, what I was saying yeah. was Xander has a little flashback to happier times when he was the object of the fervor 
of women under a love spell at Sunnydale High. Yeah. Yeah. Anya refers to Dawn and Buffy as crazy little lust puppies. (laughs) And we learn Xander's the one who clocks it. I think that, uh, oh, well, this this guy has an older brother. Um, this is when we meet Lance. And so they go on a detective, boys only, detective mission to Lance's <laughs> well, house. it's the only way to be safe. <laughs> but also you've left the women unattended. Like, it's like, how do we know boys are safe from the, I don't, I don't mm. believe that that's a, a, mm. a safe assessment, you know? Detective Xander and Spike go over to Lance's. Lance is now not the hottest guy in school. He is a pizza delivery boy who still lives at home. Um, I have to say I actually really love Lance's pizza delivery outfit. I think it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Good outfit. He's living at home, though. It's well, sometimes necessary. Not always fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the most ham-fisted way in 2002 of saying like you were hot now but you're not you you were hot then but you're not hot now you know like you now deliver pizza and live at home is just like the yeah those are the two buttons that you hit to make that easily readable in 2002 for better or for worse (laughs) lance tells xander and spike that one time he found poetry under rj's bed and it turned out rj wrote it time to go to rj.com or what was Cassie's website? I don't know. 1-800-1-Cassie is all I remember. <laughs> yeah. Time to go to 1-800-1-RJ.com <laughs> or geocities.com slash 1-800-1-RJ. Yeah, this is kind of sad because it's like, you know, you learn that like Lance was really concerned about his younger brother who was like sensitive and writing poetry until he, Mm -hmm, quote, mm -hmm. blossomed, um, meaning like he became a football player and like, like left all of those fanciful ideas behind. I have to call like a little bit like half bullshit on on Spike being like, you're wearing your brother's jacket. I don't believe that Spike doesn't know what a Letterman jacket is. He spent a lot of time among high schoolers yeah. and knows that a good percentage of them have the same exact jacket totally, as each other. Totally. But, you know, Jenny, there's only like fucking 10 minutes left of the episode. I know. So we, we gotta, gotta, we we gotta, gotta get there. We gotta go. We gotta hold, do a whole four square inset scene like we're in a fucking <laughs> death proof over here. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Ocean's Eleven <laughs> Sunnydale edition. Um, I just I'm sure you noticed this but there's a small moment that Spike takes during this interrogation and investigation to turn around some of the ceramic angels that are at Lance's <laughs> Wow, I totally missed that. He's, he's like turning he's... them to face the wall. <laughs> it's like so quick, but I, but it, it tickled me. Um, wow. So they, they basically put it together real quick. When Spike says, that's your jacket, then Lance is like, yeah, it was my jacket. I gave it to him, RJ and my dad gave it to me. And, you know, it's, it's been in, in the family a long time. And Xander's like, gotta go. Like, we know this math. <laughs> we, know how to, we know how to defeat this demon, this spell. Uh, and Lance is like, wait, wait. And this is another, like, the, the words. And I, I think it's just, like, because it's written as, like, pretty much a comedy script like that's the only way that I can sort like why the dialogue is is written the way that it is because Lance says I've got a rumpus room (laughs) who the fuck 
Alex says rumpus room. He wants the boys to stay and hang out and be friends with him. And his mom from upstairs is like, "Do you, I have snacks. Does anybody want a little box of raisins? Oh, my God. The saddest of all snacks. You know, even though I loved them. They're I'd delicious. And I love them. raisins in a box, of course. But from just like a vibe check place. Yeah. They are a sad they snack. They are a sad snack. Did you ever... Um, use your tiny box of raisins after emptied as a whistle do you know that trick that was like a big thing I, in my school if you if you no em- idea. if you empty like the, they have to be the little kind if you're listening and you're about to try this at home it has to be the little kind and you have the top of it open and the bottom of it closed and if you blow air through it just the right way the the like base of the box opens just enough to make a very high pitched whistle so sounds delightful you're all welcome anyway um let's hear what let's hear what willow and anya are up to at the dining room table at the summer's house please damn love spell i have tried every anti-love spell spell i can find even if you found the right one guy would probably just do an anti-anti-love spell 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 what just a fucking little comedy <laughs> duo here. Just, yeah, you yeah. know. A little spell ducking. Yep. And then the doorbell rings and uh-oh, it's RJ. Hello. Buffy's not here. Go away. No Buffy for you. And Go away. The women are trying very hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Doesn't. But uh-oh, then he walks away. Do, 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 do. What a gif. You know that Kristen Russo is going to fucking post this gif to social media immediately because (laughs) Anya and Willow are framed in the doorway and their heads time perfectly to tilt sort of like a a like if you say, do you want to go for a walk to your dog? You know, like that, like slow, like "Mm -hmm." except they are not excited to go for a walk. They are excited to both stare at RJ's ass as he leaves. (laughs) Do you want to make out with the quarterback? (laughs) Do you wanna? <laughs> I love them. Um, a good moment to also give a major shout out to Anya's outfit. She's not in her bank robber outfit yet, which I also love and I also oh find God. extremely hot. But she's in like a fucking white t-shirt with a black vest. Speaking of the L word, she could fit right in. Oh yeah. Fit right yes. fucking in over there with the ladies in Los Angeles. She'd love a latte at the planet. Yes. <laughs> so now Anya and Willow are arguing, right? And now all the girls oh, are yeah. in on it. We're all fighting. Oh, no. We're all fighting. I saw his soul. Not unless his soul is in his ass. Well, maybe it is. We have a lot to Could learn be. about souls, you know. Yeah, as just as touched on earlier in the episode. Anya says, AJ is my dearest darling. <laughs> and Willow's like, it's <laughs> fucking RJ. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Buffy and Dawn come downstairs and um, Buffy's like, Willow, you're a gay woman, beat. And he isn't. Willow, bisexuality just simply does not exist. It doesn't exist. It can't be conceived of. Absolutely not. It's one or the other. Um, Willow was like, this isn't about physical presence. This is about his heart. And then she also twists that argument and and posits that she actually loves RJ the most because she's uh-huh. straight again. That's how uh-huh. much she loves RJ. Uh-huh. This is why I don't think the boys were ever safe, you know? Gender uh-huh. gender yeah. is not yeah. a part of this magical jackets equation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anya asserts in response that actually she loves him the most because she would kill for him. 
And then Buffy says that she'd kill the principal for him. <laughs> she makes it specific. <laughs> oh, dear. And Willow's like, I'll do magic. Everybody has their fucking skill set. And yeah. Buffy's going to kill Principal Wood. Willow's going to do a little spell to make RJ a woman. Anya doesn't say exactly what she's uh, going to do, but she's looking ready to burgle. <laughs> and Buffy says to Don, you know, sorry, you're never going to get him because oh. you don't have a specialized skill. Au contraire. Yeah, she's really good at tying herself to the train tracks. So. Yes. Yeah, uh, Anya actually is the one who gives Willow the idea to turn RJ into a girl and immediately regrets it. What are you going to do? Make him a girl? Damn it. (laughs) But honestly, if that did happen, it wouldn't preclude Anya from getting involved based on what we've seen. No, I mean, I'm like, I am rooting most for the Willow, Anya, RJ thruple, like out of out of all the pairings, that's the one I'm going hardest for. So I don't <laughs> care what RJ's gender is in their thrupling. But you're right, Anya. Anya doesn't care either way. Mm-hmm. Got two bisexual ladies here, even though the show that's refuses right. to understand that that is possible. Okay, this is where we get our squares. I don't know why, like, I haven't seen a lot of, like, I haven't seen James Bond, but I imagine that this is sort of like of a James Bond editing sequence. Is that right? Yeah, it feels very like a heist movie but the only one that came to my mind was death proof (laughs) that's that was my reference point but same thing it's just like it's very fun yeah so what do we see in each of these four screens we've got willow doing a spell and that screen pulls first so now we've got just one in the corner then we have buffy screech in her car second square then we have (laughs) anya Ooh, looking hot in a fucking bank uh-huh. robber outfit. Third square. Burgling. The, and the squares keep moving. You know, they're not frozen. So while we're getting new squares, Buffy has left the car and now has a fucking bazooka. And she's like running towards the school with the bazooka. And that's when we mm-hmm. get our fourth square, which is Dawn on the train tracks. Oh, Dawn, no. Hecate is so fucking over Willow Rosenberg. Hecate is like... Girl, you fucking... I was going to say, why is it always Hecate? I don't, I, I don't is there know. no I one else? Hecate would like to know why it's always Hecate. Because she's <laughs> fucking tired. She's like calling somebody else. <laughs> Thankfully, Xander interrupts just in time. Just in time. And Willow's like, oh, now I have to start my spell for RJ all over again. And Xander's like, RJ's a guy. And Willow's like, he doesn't have to. He simply doesn't have to. Yeah, be. yeah. <laughs> They they stop Willow's spell by like covering her mouth, which is also really fucking funny. Like there's just a lot yeah. of little comedic beats that work for me. Um, Buffy is back. Now we're zoomed in on Buffy. She's outside Principal Wood's office. Principal Wood is listening to a CD in the most 2002 CD player that has ever existed on the face of planet Earth. Yes. Also, the music that is playing is like very mature. I would expect something a little hipper from Principal Wood, but he's listening to some instrumental music that is like very fit for an elevator. Oh, yeah, he is. And in case you didn't rewatch it, the CD player is like clear. And yeah, and kind of like the CD is like vertical. Vertical, right. So it's not laying flat. It's standing up and it's clear. So you can see the like blue disc spinning inside of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very hip. 
Oh, boy. Um, what does Buffy need to kill a principal? A bazooka. She needs a whole bazooka. Yeah, where did she even get this fucking bazooka from? They just keep one in it, the basement? Like, what? Yeah, is it left over from the judge in the season dust, two? That's the last time I remember seeing a bazooka on this show. Same. Willow, they've somehow convinced to do her locator spell again, but this time she's doing it for humans. I don't know how they convinced her, because she's still under the thrall of RJ. Well... She still cares about her friends. Yeah, I guess it and doesn't they're like, cancel out. I think they're framing it as like, Dawn is in danger. Right. We need to find her. Right. So, Jenny, I don't. I only watched this episode one time. Um, and maybe I missed something. But they get Buffy. <laughs> There's this hilarious fucking, you know, you can only hear Principal Wood's music playing. And, and outside you just see like Buffy with the bazooka. And then you see like Xander and Spike tackle her, but you can't hear any of it. And it's very hilarious. And they save Principal yeah. Wood and get Buffy. And now they go to Dawn and they find Dawn and she's on the train tracks. And this is where I have the question of what happens here it's like Buffy is running alongside the train then she jumps on the train and then when she jumps off the train she's ahead of the train I'm like were there two trains and I didn't do the math yeah there right? are two trains there's two trains going towards each other okay. Buffy gets on one if Buffy <laughs> runs traveling. alongside a train traveling south at 35 miles an hour <laughs> hell no uh, yeah she rides that train over to Dawn in time to pick her up and get her off the tracks for the train that's oncoming. Also, when they're like, oh, look, it's Dawn, and they all look over at her, it could be Michelle Trachtenberg, and it could be a stunt double, but it looks an awful lot to me like the dummy that played Cordelia in that one convertible scene in Angel. Oh, my God. Remember the dummy that Buffy carried when she was running with Dawn? Maybe it's that. Truly one of my favorite moments. Like, I can picture it so vividly. Like, I'm watching it right now when I imagine that fucking Dawn dummy. I love, I love that Buffy says, you're going to get RJ by being trisected. That's nice. That's a nice touch because it is. It would be, tri. you would be in three pieces if a train ran over you. That's a nice little thing. Nicely done. Yeah. Here's our favorite line, isn't it, Jenny? Our favorite line of the whole episode right now. Oh, my God. Dawn says. So Dawn's rescued. Buffy rescues Dawn. She gets her off the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's safe. She's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Who cares Don't compared worry. to what I'm about to tell you? <laughs> she says to Buffy, you're older and hotter and have sex that's rough <laughs> and kill people. Dawn, good, good listeners. What? How does Dawn... What? <laughs> Has Dawn been watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer season six? What? <laughs> How does she know? She's just watching Monty Python heard? and Buffy season six. That's her, her yeah. rotation upstairs. I mean, it truly is like, ha- it's a how like. A, how does she know that they fucked a house down or whatever she knows? And B, like, how, how is this a sentence? Like, how does I, it, I, I, when I watched this in pre-production, I screamed, paused it and took a photo and tweeted it. And when I just watched it today, I screamed, paused it and took another photo to post again because I can't, I fucking can't deal with it. It just, it just, it just. <sighs> Anyway, 
And Puffy's like, why would you do this? And fucking Don is like, have you ever fucking read a tragedy? He'd know forever that I died because of my love for him. No. Oh, Donnie. Buffy is freaked out. She's like, I'd give him to you in a second if I could. That's how much you're scaring me. Aww. Lucky Given for the us. circumstances, wow, that seems very powerful. <laughs> Lucky for us, the boys... <laughs> The boys are completing their mission. Now, you understand the plan, right? The plan is literally yeah. just to take the jacket off of RJ. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so they do that. They get the jacket. They take it back to the summer's fireplace. So many mm-hmm. spells have happened there. Last we were inside the fireplace. It was Tabula Rasa, I believe. <laughs> and uh, they burn the jacket, uh, thereby ending this particular love spell. Uh-huh. What do you think uh-huh. was in the jacket? Like, what was it? Do you think like Amy's mom? Like, where did this? <laughs> how did what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. Did Amy's mom get like? Was this Amy's mom's boyfriend, high school boyfriend's jacket? Do you think Amy's mom dated Lance and RJ's dad when they were in high school, and and she enchanted his jacket so that like all the girls would love her boyfriend, but she would get him? No, because I feel like why would she create all that competition for herself? Well, I mean, any good lady likes a competition. Uh, I don't know. It sounds exhausting. It was supposed to be a joke, but thank you for thinking <laughs> that I am that I am somebody who would very seriously be like, every good lady loves the competition. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like my theory. Anyhow, uh, they're like somebody says to Xander, like, I can't believe you didn't think to put this on, right? And Xander's yeah. like, Well, it didn't fit. Um, <laughs> Xander. When we haven't played the patriarchy jingle yet, so there we go. Why don't we just play it right there for our, for our man, Xander. The patriarchy! <laughs> Don is like, I feel so stupid over a spell. And everybody's like, small child, wait until it's not over a spell. They're just so infantilizing with Dawn. And like I have room for it with Anya just because it's hysterical and it seems like their dynamic. But past Anya, I'm like, can oh, this doesn't stop? feel infantilizing to me. Really? This feels just like, no, this feels like relational. It feels like Buffy's like, if you think this is bad, just like wait until there's not a spell. Like wait until you like ride the real loop to loop. You're going to be all fucked up. Right. I get maybe I'm just like because of how Buffy talked to her about her feelings before. It's just just I feel if mm-hmm. I feel if I were Dawn, I would like not necessarily feel great about the yeah. I'm the only one who hasn't been in love in the room fucking deal. So <laughs> Anya, everybody reveals, like, uh, you know, we know what everybody was doing, but nobody knows what Anya was doing. And Anya covering up her tracks is like, I wrote an epic love poem. There was a daisy and a tower and a lake. (laughs) And then over the radio, we hear that a masked thief has burgled. uh, Oh, yes. Sunnydale Bank, which means, guess what? You know what? Everybody got their fucking episode and Anya got a bag full of fucking cash and she gets to keep it. Her favorite. She deserves it. She's been through a lot lately, you know? Congrats, Anya. Yes. Congratulations, Anya. You took the situation and you made it your own. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of making things one's own, I think it's time for us to embark Mm. on our most sacred of quests, this installation of the Sexual Tension Awards. 
there are so many noms ping-ponging around like the lotto on the nightly news mm, mm-hmm. ping-pong ping pong, mm-hmm. but there's so many so many balls mm-hmm. aka noms mm-hmm. but only four slots aka places that a ping-pong ball could land mm-hmm. rendering tonight's winning numbers mm-hmm. am i right mm-hmm. so you're just gonna reach your hand into that uh ball pit and pick that out the teeming mass of flying balls you know who probably would help you with those balls is riley finn to see ask he ask, loves them and his hands are so big oh my god so big he could hold so many ping pong balls in his hand at one time i am <laughs> very confident so you know we've got uh, some new faces we've got some familiar pairings Namely up front in slot number one, they were roommates and they're roommates again. It's oh. Xander and Spike. Detective close quarters. Xander and Spike. Heat builds in close quarters, as I always say. Oh, no. Pick up your wet towels, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in slot number two, we need to widen slot number two to have uh, to thruple with. Yep. Uh, because it's an RJ sandwich on Anya and Willow bread. Hot. I would they like, just seem like a bite of that sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. In slot number three, a woman after my own heart, unafraid to kick shins in the name of love. It's Lori <laughs> and RJ. <laughs> I really, and now that I know she's Clementine, I like it even more. <laughs> I know. Let Clementine be happy. Mm-hmm. And in slot number four, so rarely does she get to participate in these awards, uh, but she really made a serious, strong play yeah. for a win mm-hmm. at the bronze. It's Dawn and RJ. You know, I mean, you give it, you give it to the bronze. That was definitely the most overtly sexy moment they had. But I want to say, I think that for me, the 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 nom really comes into play in that first scene where RJ squirts the water all over his face. I feel like oh my word, it's a good moment for those two. You know, you're not wrong. Thank you. So those are our official noms. Please tell us which set of noms shall reign supreme one slot to rule them all. Vote in our Sexual Attention Awards poll, which you will find on our Twitter at BufferingCast for one week's time after today. Of all the retreads of the episode Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered I've ever seen, mm-hmm. this is my favorite. It's real fun. I like this a lot more, I think, than Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered because, I don't know, I feel like we just like got a lot more out of the those infected. Yeah, I guess the, the focus more in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, the focus is really on like the safety of Xander. Like it's like Xander is in peril, so it's more like following him than it is following... Yeah them although bewitched bothered and bewildered gave us the buffy in a silk black robe in the library (laughs) which was epic plus it was back when we had cordelia on our side of the feud line so uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i'll always mm -hmm. appreciate it for that but um yeah i was thinking like you know i don't i don't know we we are not the morgan and latoya of the universe Uh, we don't have as much experience on television writing as they do but it's like an episode like this really can only happen when you have the space to like have a fun episode because not a ton moves in this episode, right? It's like 
rocks. Nothing basically nothing, moves. Right. It's a spike comes out of the basement. Like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's and and I feel like now I mean, I'm not watching any shows particularly like like Buffy, but you know, so many of the shows that I'm watching, they're like 6, 8, maybe 10 episodes in a season. And there's so much story that it has to happen mm-hmm. inside of that span that, like, there's no fucking way that most of these shows that we watch now are going to be able to be like, let's just fucking go absolutely off the wall in an episode yeah. and, you know, and do, like, something just totally out of the ordinary and, like, really fun. Uh, even I'm thinking well, of, that's like... that's the beauty of, like, a 22-episode season. So luxurious. You right. You do right. so many different things. Right. And I guess... Like, like I was just I was sort of like calling my own self out thinking about like BoJack Horseman who like I know BoJack Horseman has episodes that are done in very different formats and styles but I feel like those episodes are still so critical to the plot and to the character development like they they have mm-hmm. to still they still exist for um a deeper purpose uh instead of just like this just feels like the writers had a pizza party you know yeah <laughs> yes it's like totally. fucking casual Friday over in the writer's room mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and I, I love, I, I mean, I think it's just a wild episode. It, it's so different than pretty, I mean, I know you, you called it a retread of Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered, but it just feels uh, like something we have not seen in this format in this universe ever before. Mm-hmm. Well, that's six episodes in and season seven is a journey uh it's a real ride is what I feel about season seven it is not like I don't feel like I'm on the same ride that I've been on in other seasons we know season six is kind of an outlier and like for a million reasons network change shit fucking showrunner like a million changes but like Mm -hmm. season seven just feels like wild to me like it just feels like we've been all over the place and we're only six episodes in yeah Right. Again, I'll say, remember how in the first two episodes, girls were <laughs> right. dying in the cold opens? They're like, from beneath you, it devours. Hold on, though. Just hang on. Just from beneath Just remember. Okay, could you just write <laughs> it down? From beneath you, it will it devour. Will. Just hang yeah. on. Just <laughs> dot, please hold. Dot. There's actually an ellipsis after FBYID. It's dot, dot, dot. FBYI. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did it. We did another episode. We did it. And, and hey, we have something really fun happening. We actually have a couple of really fun things happening in the next few episodes. Um, we don't have guests on as much as we used to, uh, but we we have a couple of fun couple of fun guests headed your way over the next span oh of episodes. My God. So that's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I wonder who they could be. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> but until all is revealed, I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And Kristen, damn it, when I'm not watching Buffy, (laughs) you may know I'm usually writing and recording songs, but did you know also sometimes I'm performing them live? No, never heard of it. Well, get ready, Uh, because I just announced a string of some tour dates with my co-conspirator and friend of the pod, Rishi K. Shearway. Uh, This spring, this spring, we'll be playing our songs together. In Philly, D.C., Saugerties, Brooklyn, Boston, Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Tickets and info are at JennyOwenYoungs.com. 
snag your tickets. And while you're waiting for the show dates to roll around, help the time pass by finding my songs on your favorite digital music platform and listening on repeat. And also you can say hi to me on socials at Jenny Owen Youngs. So exciting. Uh, I imagine that a lot of people who are listening have seen you perform live. But if you're like, I don't know, like that sounds fun. Let me just tell you that Jenny is a great musician. Her songs are wonderful, but there are few people that I have ever seen that gives as fucking killer of a live performance as uh, one Miss Jenny Own Young. So if you... Oh, my word. It's true. It's true. You're a fantastic fucking live performer, and that is not the case for everyone. Uh, so if you haven't seen Jenny just fucking sing her face off in real time, you should definitely grab tickets and go out to see it. I hope to be at the Socrates show myself. Um <gasps> Pretty excited that you're coming to my specific neck of the woods. <laughs> I barely have to travel. That's how I prefer it. Um, <laughs> my name is Kristen Russo. When I am not uh, hyping up Jenny's musical career or talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am often doing talks at workplaces and schools about LGBTQ issues and specifically about uh, how you can be a really awesome parent to your kid regardless of their sexuality or gender identity, but especially if they uh, are LGBTQ. And you can learn more about that on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can use that spelling to also find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and what about us, Jenny? Where can they find us? Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you could drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support the work that we do here on Patreon, uh, a really easy way to do it. BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon, or you can just go right to Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. We're doing a lot of fun things over there. Specifically, Jenny and I are about... A little more than halfway through the series Firefly right now, uh, we're, we're doing a little sub podcast uh, watching that I'm watching for the first time. So you can get that content over there. The songs release early over there. We do. I just did a whole scream watch over there. It's a good time. We did a Yellow Jackets bonus conversation over there because we couldn't stop texting each other about the show. <laughs> um, you can also support us by buying some of our merchandise. Um, we have merch in the UK store and over here in the US store. Just click on shop on our website and you can find all of that stuff. Uh, or you can just like be really nice to us and everyone around you and that will make the world a wonderful place. And, um, you know, that's just good. It's just good vibes oh, for yeah. everyone. Well, we take oh, those yeah. too. We traffic, Please. we take cash and uh, energy. So whichever you <laughs> feel like you would like to offer up and both is always great. Indeed. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs and Alba Daza with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade. And it was edited by John Mark Nelson. Till next time. Ah, uh,
It's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?